Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. We pronounce a blessing on every household to our children and our children's children today. That, Father, there is a visitation of revival happening right now in households being stirred right now among families right now, God, as we pray this blessing, Father. Oh, God, I long for my children and my children's children to experience a mighty move of God. Oh, how I long for my grandchildren to know what it is to experience an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, right in every household, there would be a quickening of your Holy Spirit to Stir up the hearts of every child, God, to cry out to you and to experience you today in a new way. And yes, Lord, even this Mother's Day, I believe on Mother's Day, revival can break out in our houses. Woo! That's where it needs to start, Father, right in our houses, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's put our hands together with a great ovation. Come on, right there in your house. Just clap your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Well, I believe I've got a word from the Lord for all of us today. And it may come across a little strong, but hang, hang on. We're going somewhere with this, and I've got to kind of lay some foundation so we can kind of understand uh, why the Lord gave me this word. But today I want you, if you will, to take your Bible and go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And we're going to begin with verse 1. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. And it says this. These are the decrees and regulations that you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. Now here. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, when you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy. Now, I want you to really notice the language here in this passage. You must destroy all the places where they worship their gods. The high, high on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. He says, destroy. Then he says, break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn. So you've got to destroy. You've got to break down. You've got to smash. You've got to burn their Asherah poles and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase, he says, the names of their gods. Now watch. He, there is no wiggle room here. 
He says you've got to get rid of all idolatry. He said, do not worship the Lord your God in the way that these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, he says, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship. He himself will choose from among all the tribes, the place where his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. In other words, you come to worship fully focused and obedient and sacrificing to the true living God, all that you are, all that you have. He must be first. He says there, you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. Hallelujah. He says there, you and your families are going to feast in the presence of the Lord when we are holy as families dedicated and worshiping the one and true living God. But then I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 28. Again, in the New Living Translation, it says this, so Israel will live in safety. So we are spiritual Israel. He says, Israel's going to live in safety. Your family will live in safety. Prosperous Jacob in security and in a land of grain. Grain is a picture of revelation. A land where revelation is running free. There's no hindrance to the revelation of the Lord in a land of grain and new wine, which is a picture of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, where there's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit while the heavens drop dew. And this is a picture of favor favor while the heavens are dropping dew. This is the intent of God for our families, for our churches, for our nation, but we have to build a holy place for the Lord to inhabit. And I want to talk to you about building a holy house this morning because God wants to invest our homes. He wants to invade our churches. I'm telling you, get ready for a new wave, a fresh wave, new wine from the Holy Spirit, especially when the floodgates are open. Come on and praise the Lord on the stage this morning and at home today. So it's important for us to see how this became a problem in Israel and how it can be a problem for us today when it comes to idolatry in a house, in a nation, and in a church. Because the high places are a very interesting place in Scripture if you begin to study them. 
because before there was a temple of Solomon, before there was a tabernacle of Moses, before there were priests that God had ordained and, and set up in the tabernacle to offer the sacrifice, before all of that, there were godly, holy men such as Noah and Enoch, men of that generation that feared the Lord. And they would go to these high elevated places, regions, and they would take an animal to sacrifice it to the Lord. Many times, Tanya, they didn't even take wood and fire because they believed that if God heard them, then God would show up with fire. And, and that's exactly what the Lord would do. He would come down in honor of their sacrifices and their holy worship. And that place, that high region, that hot place became a holy place where God would bless that man and God would bless the generations that would follow that man, his family, because it was there that God had met with that man and extended blessings and favor to future generations. So the place was marked as a holy place. And so historically, in reverence to that they would try to protect it. There's a, there's a picture I want them to put up for you right now because this is a picture of what a high place, a historically preserved high place actually looks like. They would try to guard it and protect it. And sometimes they would even plant shrubbery or type, some types of uh, ways of hedges or something to protect it because they didn't want anything to hate what they felt was a holy place but there was a problem because as the generations came along they began and progressed they began to worship the place over the God of the place the, the place became more sacred and holy than the God of the place they began to worship the the concept over the God of, of the concept they even began to worship uh, relics and they would set up, set up cultic objects there at the high places and began offering child sacrifices there and having all kind of sexual practices in the name of God there and offering all kind of attainted sacrifices to the gods and it became a defiled place. What once was a holy place became a defiled place and great apostasy and turning from the Lord started happening. Now watch what started off to be a holy place marked for blessing for future generations became a tainted, defiled place because the object and the focus of worship became about an object instead of the God of creation. Do you know that even the, the, uh, the pole that had the, the serpent on it that Moses had held up in the wilderness where the people were being bitten by snakes and when they would look to it, they would get healed. Do you know they even took that object and set it up, Kyla, they set it up at a high place and people began to offer sacrifices to that 
object, that, that relic became a holy thing to them and they would offer sacrifices. They had missed the message altogether. It was never about the object. It was about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. Come on, praise the Lord. But they had missed it. We do the same thing today. We have our relics. We have those objects that we think we can't have church if that thing ain't present. We think we can't have church if we're not in the building. Come on. I hope you're having church at home today. <laughs> because we think if we can't be in a specific place, Oh, we can't experience God if there's not this specific place that we go to. Oh, we can't have a move of God if that piece of furniture isn't there because, dear God, that piece of furniture was dedicated. It was given to the Lord, and it's a holy piece of furniture, and we can't have a move of God without that piece of furniture. We do the same thing today, but I feel that God is shaking some things loose right now. Oh, I think he's shaking up our concepts our ideas and he's saying to you you can have church right where you are today your family can experience Jesus right where you are today praise the Lord with me Woo! so what is a high place what is it a high place is anything that exalts itself above God in your life Anything that takes the seat of Jehovah in your life. What are some 21st century high places? A relationship can be a high place. If we worship that relationship and value that relationship more than our relationship with God, it's a high place. Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, those children, all of that, those relationships, if they come ahead of God, then that is a high place. Your job can be a high place. There are people that have lost their jobs in this season, but hear me, when you know who the true and living God is and that he is Jehovah Jireh, even when you lose your job, you won't lose your mind because you know who your true source is. But a job can can be a high place. Your money can be a high place. What you're watching can be a high place. What you listen to can be a high place. What you put in your body can be a high place. There are so many things that today get the focus of our undivided attention and God gets our leftovers and then we want to offer defiled sacrifices and want God to be okay with our defilement but God is calling holiness to come home today come on praise the Lord with me mm. a high place is also this it's with what is it it's when the sensual prevails over the spiritual in your life when the sensual that's why people like churches that entertain them they would rather have entertainment because it's when the sensual prevails over the spiritual. What if God wanted us to put the microphone down right now and just sit? Oh, we can't do that. People would not tune in. 
What if God said, I just want you to sing and there not be any preaching? Would we do it? Would we obey? No, because people may not watch. It's when we think we've got to make sure the sensual, the sensual is being entertained. It's being, it's being uh, feeling something regardless of our faith. But our faith has got to prevail over our feelings, folks. And in this hour, God is allowing our faith to go through some fire. And as Pastor Wizard has been preaching about this, I knew I had to go here. As Pastor's been talking last week about holiness, we've got to go here, church. Now, I want you to watch the progression of a nation that became enslaved because of high places. And I want you to look with me at the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. And I want us to look at this journey and how Israel got there. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Watch. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and he burned incense at the high places. He began to compromise when he began to open the door to other gods. Because as times, time progressed, we see that Solomon had, get this, honey, 700 wives and 300 mistresses. Yeah, that's a lot of wives and mistresses right there. And he's trying to make them all happy, hon. How hard is it to keep one woman happy? Impossible. <laughs> so you can imagine the pressure. 700 wives and 300 concubines or mistresses. And the scripture says that these women led him into practicing all kinds of religions. He began to entertain their gods. And listen to what 1 Kings chapter 11 verses 9 and 10 says. So the Lord became angry with Solomon, the wisest man to live besides Jesus. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. Wow. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Now you have to understand this was a man who had witnessed the glory of God, Micah. He had witnessed it with his own eyes. The tangible presence of God. He had seen when the temple was dedicated, the glory, the Shekinah presence of God filled the temple, or, or the, yes, the temple. And it was so thick. The Bible says the priest could not even stand up. Can you imagine? 
They couldn't even stand up. It was that thick, the presence of the Lord. And the priests were crawling out of the temple. It was that weighty, Shekinah glory of God. He witnessed that. He had seen the power of God. But what had happened was he began to entertain the idea of other gods. Because these women, now I believe personally, that one of the reasons why Solomon began to take on all these wives and these mistresses, I believe one of the reasons among several, but one was that he wanted to form alliances with other countries and nations. And that if he could take on their wives, are their daughters. If he could take on their daughters, he can form an alliance with them. And it, it was a strategy possibly that backfired because when he would bring these women from foreign countries in, they would say, we don't want to worship your God. We don't want to worship or bow down to your God. And so we want the dirt from where we came from. And we want to set up a shrine, an idol right here. And we're going to worship our gods. And so Solomon had to pass through some strange dirt to get intimate with these women. And that cost him a whole lot. Here's a man who had seen the power of God, who had experienced the power of God, who had had uh, Gad and uh, 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 was a Nathan prophets that had spoken into his life, prophesying such a future, prophesying such a hope, but he in, in return fell prey to idolatry. And so all of a sudden, things began to turn in a nation and take a spiral downward. And this is what happens when high places are permitted to remain. I want you to watch this. This is what happens when high places remain. The first thing is the house is divided. It divides the house. Listen to 1 Kings 11. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and you've not kept my covenant and my statues, which I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. The nation of Israel divided into the southern and the northern kingdoms. Division hit the family. Division hit the house. And his son Rehoboam became king over the southern kingdom, Judah. But Rehoboam did not have a heart for God, hear me, because he had watched his father and how his father had started to worship many gods and he followed the same pattern and he was an idol worshiper. And the scripture says this, Watch this. Because of this, that there, there, were, there was this splitting where Rehoboam had to know he needed some advice. And instead of seeking the godly counsel of his forefathers, godly men, he listened to the counsel of the ungodly. And it caused t- terror and attack Because what happens when high places remain? The second thing, the house is attacked. 
your family falls under attack. Listen to 1 Kings chapter 14. For they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. And there, there, there were also perverted persons in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And it happened on the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. One translation says they fell under attack because when you go after strange gods, you open the door for demonic activity. When you remove God as the central focus of your life and your heart, you open a door for demonic attack. It, it opens, it gives a legal right, you could say. It gives legal authority to demon. See, the king of Egypt, he got legal right to go in there. He went in there whether he, they liked it or not. And he took possession of sacred objects out of the temple. He took the objects they used for worship. And he took them back with him. He stole things that had been set apart for the worship of God and took them back to his land. And this is what happens when we allow the high places to remain. Not only is the house attacked, but watch what happened. Honey, they took the gold shields. There were gold shields that Solomon had made. Oh, these gold shields were amazing, Micah. They were amazing to see when the sun would hit them. I can only imagine because they represented a time in Israel's, uh, in Israel's history when they were a strong, prosperous nation. They represented a time when they, that, that it represented their fortitude, you could say, their strength as a nation. It was a very intimidating thing to see these gold shields, but the king of Egypt took them and took them back, stole them and took them back. And this leads me to a third thing that happens when high places remain, and that is the family, the house is dysfunctional. The house becomes dysfunctional because watch what first Kings 14 verse 27 says, then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place. And he committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the King's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards carried them, watch, and brought them back into the guard room. Do you know why they did that? Because brass, if left to the weather, what happens to it? It starts to dull. It loses its shininess. And they were so afraid that people might not see. <sighs> They were so afraid that people might not see the, the shiny fortitude and strength of Israel any longer. And so they had to keep up their facade somehow. The facade was nobody can know we're really weak. 
Nobody can know what's really going on right now in this house. Nobody can know how really terrified we are. So let's just make some brass shields and let's put them out there. And then the nations will still think we're strong and they'll still believe we're an intimidating force. So let's just put on the facade. How many families when the enemy has come in and devoured and attacked still want to put on a facade like we're okay. It's all good. We are all all right because we fear. We fear what others will think. But it's time that we humble ourselves as families. Humble ourselves as a nation. Humble ourselves as churches and repent of these things. And that's exactly why they became dysfunctional because instead of functioning as a healthy unit, we become devoid of the genuine work of Holy Spirit when we choose to go our own way. And any time we start to move away from the centricity of Christ, all kinds of dysfunction takes place in our families. And notice what the scripture says, because now this is where so many families are. In First Kings chapter or Second Kings chapter 17, it says, In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria, took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria. Watch. They carried, they carried them away as slaves to Assyria. They captured them. There they burned incense on the high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did all kind of wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger for they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. So because you opened that door, now you're a captive. How many families live in captivity, honey, in bondage, in addiction, in in trouble today, but are not willing to get honest about it because they got to remain dysfunctional because dysfunction is normal to a lot of people. To get normal, we don't know what normal's like. So we're just going to remain all messed up and in captivity because we don't know another way to live. But God has another way to live. Hallelujah. And there is hope for the family today. And that's where I want you to go with me because there is hope for the family today. Notice what happens. Finally, a young man comes to power. He becomes king and his name is Josiah. Josiah was only eight years old when he became king. And Josiah had two women that spoke into his life. I love this. The Bible says that his mother, Jedidah, she, the, script, the scripture says it this way. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. His mother was Jedidah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's all we know about her. Somehow she put something into that young man that made him have a heart to do what was right. And he did what was right 
in the eyes of the Lord, something started stirring in this young man because by the time he was 16, we know that he became a worshiper of God. He loved to go to the temple. He became a worshiper at 16 and he began to inquire and ask questions. And so they began to go in and clean up the temple. And as they're cleaning up the temple while he, through this process, matter of fact, by the t- this time he's 26 years old and they come across a scroll. The priests find a scroll that had been hidden and they open the scroll and that's where Josiah finds out about you will have no other gods before me. And he begins to hear the word of the Lord. And the Bible says he rent his clothes, an act of, of repentance. And he began to repent. And the Bible says he goes to a second woman. Her name was Huldah. She was his spiritual mama. Now I want to talk to some spiritual mamas out there. I pray that the spiritual mamas will arise in this hour. If we've ever needed godly spiritual mamas that are on their knees seeking the Lord for over a generation, it's today. And and hold it, he goes to her. She was a prophetess. And he begins to tell her what he's discovered. And the Bible says that she encouraged him. Hallelujah. She encouraged him to do what God was putting in his heart to do. She put something in him that gave him the boldness and the courage to go back home and do the right thing. He got courage to go back and clean house. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord with me just a moment. Woo! Because this is where we're going right now. What is a holy house? A holy house is a house of purity. It's a house of purity. I want you to look at 2 Kings 23 and verse 8. It says that then Josiah brought all the idolatrous priests from the cities of Judah. Now watch. He brought all. (laughs) When we were reading that passage in Deuteronomy, it was thorough in its, in its language. There was no wiggle room. So Josiah knew he had to take all of the idolatrous priests, even those that maybe were his friends. He took all of them from the cities of Judah and desecrated the high places. He began to tear down the high places where the priest had burned incense to idols from Geba to Beersheba, that is north to south. And he tore down. Woo! He tore down the high places of the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left at the city gate. He went straight to the governing authorities. Woo! The city gate. Woo! Hallelujah. He went right where government sat and ruled and made decisions and said, we're cleaning house, starting even here in the government, even with the government. Woo! Now, I hope you're hearing this today. And he goes in and he begins to deal with idolatry and he cleans house, honey. He says it's going to be a pure house. This is going to be a pure house. Our little grandson, he made a little video. Victor posted it. I don't know if you saw it, but he was writing his song. And, you know, we laughed about it. But, but oh, 
he said this line and something hit me this week. He said, how many times do I have to clean up? And then he said, Jesus will help me. I started to cry. I listened to it over and over. I said, prophesy, Josiah. Prophesy, Josiah. I believe, Oliver Justice Massey, you're prophesying. I'm speaking to Josiahs everywhere. Rise up, Josiah. It's time to clean house. Come on, somebody help me preach this. Jesus. I believe, honey, there is a remnant of people every age. This isn't an age thing. It's a hard thing. There's a remnant of people and they're not afraid to preach holiness anymore. They're not afraid to preach about the blood of Jesus. They're not afraid to preach about the, the, the risen Lord, the, the only way to God the Father. They're, they're not backing down from this book being the only book, this being the word of God. There are Josiahs that God is raising up, but a holy house is not just a house of purity. It's the house of the word of God. Whew. Josiah took that scroll. It was he, it was that folks, listen, it was the word that brought the revelation and it led a reformation for the entire nation. It was the word, not their opinions. Hear me. It's not our opinions that are going to bring revival to a nation. It's not our opinions that are going to bring revival to our families. It is the word of God that brings reformation and revival. We need the word of God. Come on, help me pray, preach. I feel, I wish they were all here today. Ooh, maybe they are listening and hearing this because he opened the scroll and it marked the change. It started revival. I read this prophecy by David Wilkerson. My good friend, Dr. Marion Spellman sent this to me in the mail a couple of weeks ago. And when I read it, I just began to weep. David Wilkerson was a prophet, prophet, he's deceased now, a present day I would call prophet. But in 1986, he released this prophetic word and here's what it said. He said, I see a plague coming on the world and the bars, churches and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. Hallelujah. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Come on, wake up, Josiah. Get up, Josiah. There's a third great awakening happening, Josiah. Come on, Josiah, prophesy. Prophesy, Josiah. Oh, I believe that God is wanting to do 
something so much bigger. But you hear me, it starts in your family. It's not another church service we need. We need revival in our families where the hidden things are brought to the light and where families are forgiving one another. Come on. And healing is happening. And that brings me to this final point because a holy house is a house of restoration. It's a house of restoration. Holy Spirit, because Josiah went in and began to restore. To restore means to bring back to the original intent, to bring back to its original glory. He began to bring back to the original glory the God, what God had intended worship to be. He brought it back. Whew. And the passage says this in 2 Kings chapter 22 beginning with verse four, go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people of the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men assigned to supervise, watch the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple. Then they will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons. Also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to what? Repair the temple. And I hear the Lord saying, I want to repair some families. I want to repair and restore families. I, I want to repair. There, God is calling for a restoration because what happened was Josiah through the restoration and repair, ushered in a worship movement. Worship was restored to the house of God. God was getting the attention, not the objects, not a person. God was getting the focus of their worship. And God is wanting that to happen here today, right in your house. Dad, the greatest Mother's Day present you can give your wife is to take her by the hand and say, come on, we're going to pray together with the children today. That every woman would tell you there's nothing like having their husband begin to lead them in family prayer. The greatest thing, the greatest gift, Dad, you can give your wife on Mother's Day is to lead the family in worship today. Children, the greatest present you can give your mother today is to go to prayer with her today, to pray with her. Tanya will tell you there's nothing like it when your children pray with you. There's nothing like it when your children worship with you. That is the best present I could ever have is to, to be with my children and my children's children when we begin to worship. That is the greatest present you can give on this Mother's Day. And listen, I'm talking to even someone who's backslidden today. Someone whose heart has grown cold towards God. And you know there are high places in your life that need to come down. And I'm speaking to you today. You need to deal with those high places in your heart. Even as radically as Josiah did. Leaving no room for anything but God. Demolish. Burn. Crash down 
ground. Whatever, shake yourself awake if you have to. Whatever you've got to do today, but get rid of the high places and enthrone the Lord today, the Lord Jesus Christ on your heart. That's the greatest gift you can give a mama today is to return to the Lord. And I hear the Lord saying, in when we build this holy habitation, that's when the Lord will smell our sacrifice of worship. We won't have to manufacture the fire because <laughs> God will show up with the fire. <laughs> we won't have to force an encounter because God will sit and encounter us when we just make it all about him. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.